Hello and welcome to Floating Swimming Stories with me, Joe Minahane. You join me on a beautiful July morning here in Brighton. I'm just walking across the beach to go for my first dip of the day. It probably won't be the last. Uh, there's not a cloud in the sky, a few planes around, a couple of swimmers in and the sea is pancake flat which is just fabulous. It'll be right for a, a gorgeous dip. My guest this week is the wonderful Ella Foote. Those of you on Instagram will know Ella as uh, Ella Chloe Swims and she is an amazing swimmer, an amazing advocate for body positivity and is also a journalist. She writes for Outdoor Swimmer magazine and has also recently set up um, a new company called Dip Advisor which will take you on a wild swim around the country of your choice. Ella and I caught up at her favourite swimming spot, Medmenham, on the sorry Medmenham on the River Thames, a couple of days ago, and had a long chat about lots of different topics to do with wild swimming. Really hope you enjoy the chat. I'll be back at the end to have a little bit more of a talk, but at the moment, enjoy. So we're here, Medmenham, is that right? Yeah, Did I Medmenham, say that right? Yeah. Okay, on the River Thames. Are we in Buckinghamshire or Oxfordshire? Or we're Buckinghamshire. We're Buckinghamshire. Those, yeah. Okay, and we have red kites surfing over us. Some moorhen chicks on the other side, looking rather punky. <laughs> yeah. Where have they gone? <laughs> with their, they're just up there with their orange. Just upstream with their orange hairdos. Rope swings on the other side, and we've just been for a delightful dip upstream. And it's been. It's, a pleasant day for it actually it's not too busy yeah it's really nice it's one of my favorite spots so has this always been your local spot it's become it um so i lived in cookham for five years which is on the river and i could walk there in 10 minutes um but it's quite a built-up part of the river houses along both sides um and or it would be on one side and you'd be walking the towpath. So you always felt like if you were swimming, someone could be watching. And while that's fine, sometimes it's quite nice to not be watched. To have an audience. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes it's nice just to come here knowing that you can get upstream and both sides of this river, part of the river has a towpath. So apart from the odd dog walker or canal boat, it's a relatively peaceful stretch. Um, and it's always... In, in any kind of conditions or temperature, it always seems to be quite swimmable. Yeah. Um, it can get quite fast on this bend. It's quite a big meander, actually. This, yeah, but because it's wide enough, that if you stick to one side, you can usually get upstream, um, even when it's quite fast flowing. Or the other thing that we do in the winter when it's really raging is we walk up the towpath and then just jump in and, and just float, float back. <laughs> it's cheating, but it's, it's not, that is not that is not That is not cheating. As soon as I think anything below 10 degrees, and you're like, oh, no, maybe. Well, when it's cold and fast, it's just such a great way to get a decent swim in. Yeah, yeah, not feel like you've uh, you've missed out. So do you swim here, even though you don't, you don't live locally anymore, do you? So you? No, yeah, so I've moved away from the Thames. I'm only about 40 minutes drive, but it's that, like little bit too far it's more of an investment of time now to drive, yeah. to, drive to the Thames okay um, whereas it used to be like a 10 minute drive to this spot um, or a 10 minute walk to the Cookham spot um, so now it's a bit more like my parents live near so if I'm at my parents um, the Cosy's always in the car anyway of course 
um, I'll, I'll come to the Thames. It's sort of become my beloved Thames. It's like an old friend. It always welcomes me back. It's um, nice having a home spot, even if it's not a home spot. Yeah. I still feel like that about Hampstead Ponds, even though I haven't lived in London for the best part of four years. It's nostalgic, isn't it? And, yeah, yeah. You know, like I remember when I st- first started river swimming, it was more out of necessity than want, because I'd started to do lots of sort of event swimming, uh, because that's kind of the only way to... The, it was the only way to the water, sort of in the early sort of 2000s, like 2006 onwards, when people started doing... Like, the first swim I ever did was the British Heart Foundation. Actually, it was in Brighton. It was a mile sea swim from Hove towards Brighton. And um, I did it breaststroke. That's exactly how I would do it right now. you know, it'd be all right. Um, And I didn't finish because the tide sort of changed while we were swimming. And all the faster swimmers had kind of got out by then. Yeah. And the, the, the safety crew sort of paddled up to me and were like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. I was having the time of my life. It was a sunny day. Yeah. I was, you know, comfortable. And they were like, only like, we want to go home. <laughs> so if you could get a move on. And they sort of gave me another sort of 10 minutes. And then I think they realised I, I wasn't going to finish in, in the time they wanted me to. And so they made me get out and I had to walk to the finish line. And I was mortified. And it was actually at that point that I decided to go and get a proper lesson in front crawl. Like I could do front crawl. But it was like 25 metres and I'd be exhausted. So w- when did it all sort of start for you? Were you much of a swimmer as a kid? Or did you, so did you learn to swim that, uh, coming up to that point? Did you love yeah. it? It sounds like you were like me and that you loved it, but like you weren't really that bothered about technique. Or it, yeah, like it was exactly like that. So I learned to swim in a leisure centre like most people do, but it was just like, you know, can you just not drown kind of learning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you learn a few strokes, enough to keep yourself upright. And then my childhood was spent larking about in paddling pools or, you know, um, down at the coast. We, you know, my parents worked in retail, so we were never really, really well well off. So we spent our holidays down on the Dorset coastline um, swimming in the British Sea and never thought it was unusual. Thought it was just part of everybody's childhood like life <laughs> to, be, to be slightly cold and shivering yeah. but like yeah but it doesn't really bother you yeah. even if it was blowing a gale <laughs> in august yeah, you know it's just normal it was just completely normal it was a normal english holiday um and i remember so we used to go to brouncy castle um and um swim off the beach there and it's a bit more natural there lots of seaweed and rocks and you know, it, you know, not like Bournemouth Beach where they sort of rake it for the holiday makers to yeah. make it nice. It wasn't like that. It was really natural uh, harbour, natural beach. And I, I used to hate, you know, the dead crabs and the the shells and things on my feet and stuff when I was younger. And my dad would always just be like, "It's only seaweed, or it's only this." Just you know, and it really. And he would swim out, and I would be like halfway with him, and then. The only option was either to swim back to the beach on your own, which was terrifying, or carry on with him. <laughs> and I think that kind of approach, kind of, sort of over time, made me less and less afraid. Like anything, the more you do it, the less afraid you came. And then it wasn't until I was at university, swimming just was something I did. I'd go to the Levisher Centre like once or twice a week because it was a way of keeping fit. Yeah, know, yeah. Like I wasn't a gym bunny, but I could do a couple of lengths of the pool and feel yeah. like I'd done something yeah. and it was affordable um, 
And then at university, we went to the coast as a group one day. And it wasn't summer. It was probably about March, April time. And I was like, who's going in? And everyone sort of looked at me like I'm a lunatic. <laughs> and then they were like, we wouldn't even go in if it was like 30 degrees, Ella. Like, you're nuts. And I thought then, oh, okay, so this isn't what everybody did <laughs> in their childhoods. So it sort of came about like that. And it wasn't until I was in, graduated, I got a, an office job, nine to five and was doing that thing of there's got to be more to life yeah <laughs> like is this it now you know some of my friends started getting married and having children and i was thinking really you know aren't we the generation that are going to check you know not do that um it, and obviously it was the generation after me <laughs> <laughs> um and i just started looking for something else outside of work and i joined a netball team and I tried running, I did like race for life and things like that. I hated it all. It just, I'm not a natural runner. No. Um, and at the same time, I was still going to the pool because it just, I didn't ever associate it with exercise or challenge or it was just something I did. Um, and that's when I found the British Art Foundation Swim in Brighton, set myself the challenge. And then when I didn't finish and I was so embarrassed, I thought, well, I, I could learn to swim better. Yeah. Um, and I literally rang up the leisure centre, my nearest, and said, do you have a swim teacher who does adult swimming? And they said, yeah, there's this guy called Frank. Um, rang him up. I had a couple of hours with him, just one day, just paid him. I couldn't afford very much. I was in my early 20s, just out of uni. And he just basically said I was doing everything wrong with my front crawl. Legs, breathing, the lot was terrible. Um, he sort of gave me some pointers and said just practice and yeah that's kind of what I did and then the following year I did the same swim and finished it thankfully and then it became a bit of an addiction like it is for so many it's just one of those things you can't stop going back can you yeah and I would I'd want so you know the year after that I did the Weymouth British Heart Foundation mile okay. swim you know I was looking for the next challenge and actually I think it was I did a swim trek holiday when they were quite early in yeah. their um of idea and it was a, a long weekend in the Lake District and that was walking to lakes, swimming part of it or a bit of it and then walking to the next place and it was then that I was really like oh you really can just swim anywhere yeah that it's sort of permissible yeah. I think it's that idea I still find it funny like you know we're just getting out of the river now and everyone's sort of smiling and looking at you like you're slightly yeah. mad I think perhaps that's sort of lesson to a degree but people don't it's still seen as a yeah, little bit of a, it was, a wayward know, it thing to do right 2008 or something 2009 it wasn't it's not it, that long ago it wasn't is it that really long ago, but it was long enough ago that people weren't just doing like now like outdoor swimming is having such a thing but interest and, and the outdoor swim society formed in 2006 and i probably discovered it around 2007 2008 mm. um and actually that's when i i met a, a, a woman called jenny who lived in Marlowe, I lived in Maidenhead, and, you know, we talked about perhaps giving the River Thames a go. Yeah. Um, and so there was this little group of us, there was four of us, one random guy from Devon who had to work in Berkshire five days a week, so he joined us, and these two other women, and we met at Sonning, and we just kind of got in and let the river take us downstream for about a kilometre, and then we walked back. Okay, nice. That's kind of just what we did. And then it just kind of grew from there because then Jenny was like, well, why are we driving up to Sonning when we live on the river near Marlow? 
Um, and actually Medlamon became one of the first spots Jenny and I came to. But we came and we met these two other chaps that we'd never met before. And they swam in wetsuits really fast away from us upstream. And we just abandoned the two of us. And I remember being sort of by that tree over there. Yeah. And we were swimming. I was like, are you going anywhere? Because I don't feel like I'm going anywhere. And we were just kind of stuck in this current. Um, and I sort of panicked a bit. And we came across back to this side of the river. And she was like, should we try it again? And it was just that kind of thing. Um, and it just built and built and built. And river became a necessity because training for these sort of, even though they're just a mile, I couldn't get to the sea after work. Yeah, you're far enough away from it here that it's going to take a good, like, at least a couple of hours yeah. to get to the coast, right? So the river became a place to do my training, I say. I mean, I was never fast. I was always one of the last to finish any events that I did. But they were like challenges to me. So the river became the space I came to train. And then lakes around here started opening up. So Bray Lake Water Sports just was for water sports, but they started doing swimming, yeah. a, a tap play lake and all those things. But you have to pay to swim there. So to begin with, I would happily pay my, oh, I think it was five pounds or whatever, do the swim and get out. Now I really begrudge it. <laughs> become really tight. Just get in the river. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. God, this is, I'm exactly the same. I won't pay for a swim. I can chuck myself in the sea. Six quid, are you joking? No, 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 that's absurd. <laughs> Yeah, do you still swim front crawl like and train and yeah. stuff like uh, that? Yeah, train. Well, I was going to do. There's um, a swim called the Long Reach Swim down the Thames. Uh, it was going to be this July, but they actually cancelled it. Um, but I was signed up to do it because I haven't done an event for three years, and I thought it might be time I get back to doing sort of a bit more of a challenge. Um, and that was going to be nine k. Wow, that's that's a straight. See, I've never I've never done anything like that, and I think for me. Um, my whole pleasure of it is and increasingly as i do it alone now not so much in groups i really do it it's just like a moment just to take stock and just yeah. look around like we was while we were swimming earlier like you know like you were saying i'm looking at the red kites in wonder and you're like yeah whatever they're just pigeons they're just pigeons, <laughs> the in pigeons this part of the world. <laughs> you know um but and you were saying like you see the kingfisher on the other side of the, of the river at, at dawn or at dusk like that to me is what this is what I still get out of it but I do get the feeling that what I really like about your approach and I know you talk a lot about this on Instagram is like this idea of like distance and time and not really of any importance no. to you no I mean like event swimming has definitely got its place so it's often the first way people come to the water yeah. you know they'll sign themselves up for an event and it could be 750 metres or it could be part of a triathlon mm. um, and then they realise that they have to go in the water before they get to the event so they have to train in a river or a lake or in the sea yeah and then they kind of fall in love with it yeah um and i think some people fall in love with the speed or the competition or you know being able to swim further and further and further and challenging that but some people just fall in love with the, f the freedom of being in a river or you know we were just saying how like we really felt like we could get a leg stretched out in the tents when we were just yeah. swimming um and so, I, like, there's still, like, uh, something in me that likes to push myself and challenge myself. I did quite like the idea of doing the 9K this year, but I was also relieved when they said that it was cancelled. <laughs> that won't be happening this year, it's fine. You not just want to do it on alone. You know, you, I could, mean, have, you could have thing. done it anyway, you know. That's the thing, like, we, friends of and I who have sort of swam over the years together, um, we often say, like, why would you pay to do these events when we could just do it anyway? But... There is still something you get from an event. There's a buzz, there's the adrenaline, there's this kind of feeling like, am I going to be the last? You know, am I going to survive? Am I going to make the distance? 
Um, but Similar you, to a run, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. You know. Like, why do marathon runners still do marathons when they can do 26 miles wherever they like? Yeah, because of the support. Yeah, and, there's you know, something, the there's an energy. Yeah. yeah, so there is something still about it. And But I did get to a point, and lots of people do this, whether it's they're a runner or a swimmer or a cyclist, you do a distance. So I was doing those mile sea swims, and then I thought, can I do two? Can I do three? Yeah, yeah. And then I did the Dark 10K, and I did the Thames Marathon, which is 14K from Henley Bridge to Marlow Bridge. And I did a channel relay. You know, I kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Um, and then I started looking at serious, like, doing the length of Windermere. You know, I'd supported a few friends doing a channel swim or Windermere and thought, could I? Yeah. Could I? Could I do that? You know, and then I just thought, hang on a minute, this is going to cost an awful lot of money and dedication. And the little bit of training I had been doing just to do, like, you know, even the Dart 10K, it kind of taken the fun out of swimming. Just about to say, like, does it start taking sapping the joy out of it a little bit? Yeah, because I've found that when I've done like long, I've only done one half, like half marathon, like running, and like by the end of it, I, was like, I just don't want to run again. Yeah, it'd get to a point where you'd come to the river, and if you hadn't done at least a couple of kilometres of a swim, you'd be like, oh, I didn't go further enough, or I wasn't in the water long enough, or oh, I really should have trained a bit more and chatted a bit less, or. Or you'd come down here after work and think, right, I've got to get 5K in. And, you you know, you've just done a full day's work. You just want to float and enjoy it and just be in the moment. And it just suddenly it became a chore to yeah. to come to the river or to go to a lake. And it wasn't, I wasn't coming because I enjoyed it. So my last event I did, it was a 24-hour swim. And it was swimming a mile on an hour every hour, <laughs> 24 hours. And I did it with a friend. So we did a mile on, mile off. And it, it almost broke the pair of us at the time, but we were both stubborn. Because I kept saying, well, if you want to quit, I don't mind. Because if one of us quit, the whole thing was over, kind of. Yeah, thing. Yeah. The other person couldn't carry on. And But he kept saying the same. <laughs> and we were both like, well, I'm not going to let him down. And he wasn't going to let me down. So we did manage to finish it. But um, training for it, getting ready for it, the actual thing. It was a great feeling once we'd finished it. But actually, in the moment, I didn't enjoy any of it, really. Like, actually doing the event. It was really tough. Yeah, that's, yeah, it says something, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, you know, I think in those situations, if you realise that like you, the joy has gone, yeah. then you sort of have to recalibrate like, it. I kept getting really bad cramp in my calves. Oh, and, God. like, you know, I remember talking to the organiser, who, who was a good friend, and he was just sort of... I remember him looking at me one stage thinking, God, she's, like, really whinging about this. Like, everyone else was having a really good time high-fiving. Um, and I really took stock after that of, like, why am I doing these things? Like, I can still go swimming. I don't have to yeah. do time and distance. It's not a big deal, is it? And actually, it may, you know, over the last three years since then, I've actually done more swimming than when I was training because I've pushed myself to go to new places or meet new people or, you know, find that, you know, elusive waterfall or... Yeah, the places that other people don't know, which I get the feeling that you have become a bit of an authority on. I just love finding somewhere when, you know, it might have appeared in a book. You know, I might be reading an old book. It could be a fiction book and someone mentions a pond, <laughs> you know, that someone takes, yeah. you know, a 
most women and I'm like, oh, I wonder if that place is actually real or it's fiction. And I get my audience survey map yeah, out. Yeah, but that's it. That's the great joy of deducing it. Like when I was doing floating, like that was the great thing. Of like, you know, at first I was just like very blasé about it and like not really looking at maps. And then as it grew, just this idea of like getting the maps out, getting the books out, trying to work out exactly where it was. And yeah. then finding those new spots. And then all of a sudden you're the guy who's like, oh, can you take us to a fancy new swimming spot? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or well, sometimes I go. I like. I still. I take uh, my friend Roger. Like, we, he's my partner in crime, really. Like, I'll say to him, "I've read this about this place. I've got no idea what it's going to be like." And he'll be like, "All right then." And we'll just pick a Sunday. We call them our swim Sundays. And he'll drive me, and I'll be like, "It's somewhere down this dirt track and behind this bush tree, whatever." <laughs> Apparently, there's a stone, and it is just like that. And the amount of times we've got there, and it's, you know, there's this one spot of the River Thames, actually. It's very close to the source. And um, I discovered it just by accident, uh, looking through some photographs. And it looked like something from another country. It was this, this sort of circular pool that was emerald green. Yeah. And then when I looked at where it was, it was like the River Thames. I was like, no, that can't be the Thames. And then I sort of did a bit more research, and it was near, near Kemble, which is near the source of the Thames. And it's just the way the stream at the source of the Thames has kind of worked its way around this bend in the river to create this sort of like almost like a bowl and it's uh -huh. deep enough to dive into and then literally a meter further downstream it's ankle deep again okay so i said to roger i really want to find this so we went and found it and it was winter and we actually ended up having snow it was so random and we found it and it was magical it was amazing and we said right we've got to come back here in summer so we came back last summer and we got there and it was a puddle because the Thames at the source doesn't fully throw all year round. It obviously is underground. Yeah. And in the middle, and we had a really oh. hot summer and he was like, never have you taken me to a swim spot and there's not been water. <laughs> <laughs> he still won't, like, he, he still won't forgive wellies. me for it. Um, but yeah, we've sometimes turned up places and they're fishing ponds now and they're all barbed wired or, you know, we turn up at some really interesting places and... Has that become like a conscious decision for you? Because I get the feeling with your social media that you've got really into just finding new places and it's all about the new experiences. Yeah, it, well, it was sort of conscious in the sense that I didn't want to just be swimming to train. I didn't just want to swim, you know, because everyone else was doing it. I wanted to find my own joy. Yeah. And when I really looked at what I loved and enjoyed about my outdoor swimming, it was discovering the new swim spot it was someone taking me somewhere i'd not been before like all the different feelings of water you know like the difference between a brackish freshwater swim yeah saltwater swim you know a swim from like a mountain stream or you know something in the middle of wales where no one else has ever been you know all yeah. the different things and a bit you know we talk about risk a bit but it's a bit more risky as well. There's something you do get a bit of a hit when yeah, it's a bit it's more that, risky. I know, I know what you mean. I know it's not the done thing to say. It, yeah. But like, there is something great when you find one. You're like, it's probably a bit risky. This, but I'm going to go for it. Anyway. Yeah. Or you're just kind of. I do have moments where I'll be walking somewhere completely on my own in the middle of wherever. Like when I took I took a camper van around Scotland mm -hmm. last September, and I spent a lot of time thinking if I fell over right now not even it wasn't about drowning but you know just mm. falling and twisting my ankle I'd be a bit screwed like there's no, no one knows I'm here yeah I've got no fame reception 
what would it, you know, I do those sort of conversations in my head, like, what would I do? Um, and then I'd get to the swim spot and be like, oh, wow, this is worth it, or this is magical. And then again, it'd be like, right, you know, what can I do to keep myself safe? And I'm always really conscious of that because, you know, like, I don't want to give outdoor swimming a bad press ever. So I don't want to be a headline. No. But at the same time, just like a rock climber or a, a mountain hiker, you know, it, that's part of the thrill and it's, the joy. And like, this is the thing, I know it's like, don't go on your own. I think I get that. I definitely get that when you're first starting out, but I get a lot of joy from going on my own these days yeah. and finding somewhere. And you, just, you know, I tell, you know, you tell people roughly where you're going. Exactly. But, you know, you try, I think like the more you do it, I think we were talking about yeah. this earlier, like the more you do it, the more you do it, the better you get at assessing risk, and that's true of anything yeah. that you any kind of sport or pastime, or whatever you you yeah. understand what the risks are. Like you know, in the same way that like you know, a, a winter swim, you know, you're not going to just decide I'm going to start winter swimming in December. No. Like, you might, <laughs> but you won't. You it. won't last for very very <laughs> long. But uh, yeah, I mean, I felt very inspired by your dipper day because that was this was the first this winter just gone was the first winter that I've done properly not just like going once a week and just like screaming at the edge of the beach yeah. just like why am I doing this like you've got to do it yeah you really like every other day at least try and yeah otherwise it just ends up becoming like too much of a hardship dipper day was interesting because that came from a very similar place to what floating came from you I was in a really bad way like a, a series of events you know it was just life nothing awful had happened you know yeah bad breakup long relationship had ended uh work was really unsettled potential redundancy on the cards so was this two years this the first different day that you it did was, uh, the last one i've just done was the third was the so, third. Was, okay. so this right. would be the fourth year of doing it if okay I sure it. yeah some decided yeah often do. most people go you're gonna do it right it's your thing but it's interesting because so many other people are doing like lots of people are swimming every single day of the year now you know helen there's a wonderful woman called helen who swims every day of the year and she started one december at solstice and hasn't stopped okay you know there are people who swim every day and have been for centuries you know doing a dip a day december isn't actually that exciting but for me it was no i don't know though it, it's it a was good thing my for people thing. to see and, yeah. and for what you're the cause that you're raising money yeah. for as well so and i started it because i was just in this i just didn't know i was just so lost but the one thing i knew was the water and i know how i felt in the water and how good it made me feel when i was there and so I just kind of thought if I had this discipline of doing something like just going to the water every day yeah. for a whole month in the darkest, horriblest month, I do yeah. find December quite tricky. You know, the days are short, um, <coughs> the weather, you know, I like winter. I like really cold. I yeah. like those cold days and bright sunshine. I like snow. I like the extremes. But those grey days that just merge into one after another after another. It's hard. Yeah, and when you're working, you know, I was working in an office, 9 till 5.30, you know, you sort of get there sort of and it's just getting light and then you leave in the dark. Yeah. And everyone's like gearing up for Christmas and this kind of like forced fun. It just all felt just at the time just too much. But the thought of going to the river just felt like an escape. And I didn't think it through, like so many things I do. I was just like, yeah, I can do a swim every day in December. I'll go before work or after, not thinking that it was going to be pitch black. And the first swim I did, I remember thinking, getting to the river thinking, oh, fuck, I really didn't think this through. I had a torch. 
on my phone and that was it and my swimming costume and I was just like in fact that first photo and I like said I was going to document it and the first photo is really strange it's like something from a Halloween movie there's like a light <laughs> on my eye I, am I in the river who knows no one needs to know it's <laughs> it fine was you just were bananas. in the river yeah. um, but the interest and sort of following through that was so fascinating people really like got on board with the idea of it yeah um, and originally I sort of did it for Crisis UK and talking about being outdoors and how tough it is for some people not to go home to have somewhere they can yeah. call home. And it was actually in the second year that I sort of put my hands up and said, actually, I should really do this for what I'm doing it for, which is mental health. But I think at the time it was really hard for me to label it as I'm having problems with my mental health. Yeah, I, I know I can completely relate to that because mine was just like, oh, I'm going swimming. I, you know, I like going in the water. And then it's like, oh, yeah, actually, I'm doing this because, like, you know, I felt like shit and, like, getting in the water made me feel a lot better and, like, yeah. eased my, you know, mental health concerns. You know, I'm not saying that it is the cure-all that no. it perhaps is portrayed to be, but at the same time, like, you know, it is very, very powerful. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I think it sort of it sort of breaks that initial bit where you're like a little bit reticent about saying it, and yeah. it's surprising because it does seem to break down barriers when you say to people like, "Well, you know, this is why I do it," and people, are, yeah. "Oh, yeah, I can get behind that." It's interesting. I, I I was talking to someone the other day. Like, it's hard to. Oh, who was it? Oh, it was. Do you know it's Alistair Humphreys? Yeah, yeah. I interviewed him um, about his new book, and we were chatting because. His new book's fascinating because anyone who just follows him on social media, so he's an, an outdoor adventurer for yeah. anyone who doesn't know. Um, you know, he in his 20s, he cycled around the world and his life became, once he'd finished that, about talking and writing about that same thing he did. Yeah. And, and like all of us, he sort of fell into the pattern of life. He got married, he had children. But actually, if you just follow him on social media, you don't know that. So I... I didn't really know him I followed him yeah. on social for a while and I didn't know he was married with kids and then his book is about the fact that he was getting these people emailing him going well it's all right for you I've got a mortgage and kids and he was thinking yeah me too and I'm you know and it's about this kind of wanting to escape that that sort of it's not mundane because we love those sort of lives it's just like if you've got something in you that's a bit adventurous you know, got, yeah, those sort of micro-adventures. You've got to, you've got to scratch that itch, haven't you? Um, and I said to him, well, I, you know, anyone that's doing triathlon or marathon or whatever extreme sport they've chosen, if they're really honest with themselves, they're just using it as escape of something else. You know, yeah. some people tend to drink or eating too much or smoking or drugs or whatever. Some people turn to marathons. <laughs> or, yeah, or turn to those after they have done those yeah, things earlier because on. Yeah, because ultimately we're trying not to address what's really bugging us inside. So we try, and, and Differ Day December, the first time round, was definitely trying to show the people around me, I'm all right, I'm keeping it together. Look, I'm doing this great yeah, challenge yeah, over yeah, here yeah. and I'm raising money for the homeless. Woohoo, go me. Whereas actually I was completely falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. Oh, God, I can totally relate yeah. to that. It's like, look, I'm re-swimming Roger Deakins waterlog. I'm absolutely fine. Like, yeah. you know, this depression I've talked about isn't real. It's yeah. not a real thing. And the anxiety's all gone away. And then, like, a year <laughs> later, like, you're having a breakdown. And well, it's that's like, the thing. Actually, look, this is why I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah. you know? This because is what I need to do this to make me exactly, feel better. Exactly, exactly. And I don't, you know, I hats off to anyone who wants to run a marathon to avoid feeling like shit. Like, I'm with you. Like, I will swim to do the same. But in doing these things, I realised I was just putting off. You know, at the end of December, it was actually quite difficult 
In fact, I think my mum really did think I was going to trip over the end of that December because she bought me a ticket to New York um, to, as something exciting to look forward to in March. She bought me flights. And I remember thinking, this is the weirdest gift. <laughs> but she, I think she was so excited about what I'd done and the whole thing yeah. that she was just a bit like, you know, what's she going to do now? Well, I'll come up with something. Um, so yeah, like, you know, I've, I've often done that, you know, my channel relay was a bit like that, rather than facing into what was really going on, I sort of put my energy into something else. And I think we're all a bit guilty of that. Um, but over the years, it's been actually really lovely to be able to say actually Dipper Day is about avoiding the fact that I don't like this time of year and it's a really t tough time for me. But it's become a real social thing as well, hasn't it? Yeah, last year actually was really tough because I, I decided to swim with a different person every day. That was sort of my next <laughs> level of the challenge, which actually was really hard because one, I had loads of people who wanted to swim with me, which was wonderful, but obviously they're not all local. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I sort of then tied myself in knots about, should I go up to Doncaster and swim with a complete stranger? Yeah, and then the next day you've got to be out in Southampton yeah. or like, yeah, wherever. Oh, what about my life? And I, know, I am freelance and I can figure it out, but actually I'm not made of money either, so that costs money and petrol and, you know. Yeah, and time, yeah. you know. And often I would wake up feeling awful and think the last thing I want to do is go and meet a load of strangers and, you know, having to switch that thing on in you. Yeah, to be on. Yeah, yeah, to arrive at a place and be all smiley and like, oh, hi, it's lovely to meet you and all that kind of thing. It was yeah. actually really tough sometimes. But I never regretted it. And actually, I always felt almost bad because I'd like drive to a spot thinking, what the hell am I doing? I could have just been for a swim already on my own. Why did I decide to do it with every everybody this year? And then I'd get there and I'd meet the most kind, sort of humbled, like, you know, the best people in life kind of. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who all had a story to tell who all had their own, their own pain or their yeah. own thing. Um, and actually that was kind of healing in a different way because it was quite grounding. You'd be like mm. meeting someone who'd just be like, oh, I've just squeezed this in because I've just done this, this and this. And you think, crikey, how fortunate I am that you've spent... You yeah, know, you've made this time for me. And yeah, you've yeah. got all this other stuff going on in your life. What an amazing thing. And Or people doing really cool jobs or... I don't know, wicked stuff for charity. Or, like, there were some really interesting characters who I met. Um, so it was very re rewarding. Um, it was great. But... Amazing. So tell me about um, Dip Advisor. Dip Advisor. So <laughs> this has been like the longest. I feel um, like I've heard this name for like so many yeah, months now. Yeah, I think anyone that has spoken to me at all in the last two years <laughs> probably would have heard me mention it. Um, so I got made redundant from um, my editor's job at Waitrose, uh, which was a great job, but it was it was time to leave and I was more than happy to go. Mm. And one of the things I'd wanted to do um, was set up DiffAdvisor. So I'd, I'd kind of established a little bit of a following on Instagram. I mean, I'm by no means an Instagram star or anything like that, thankfully, because I don't think I'd want such huge status. But um, I've got a lovely little niche of, yeah. of people who follow my little swims. And people had started asking me to take them swimming. And um, as much as I'd love to have all the time in the world to meet strangers every single day of the week, I don't. And, you know, a freelance writer, that should be my priority. But I once said no to someone who said, well, I would pay you for your time. I thought, oh, OK, well, that's different, isn't it? And then I thought, well, I feel a bit uncomfortable taking someone's money when they could just walk to the river themselves. 
Um, and I get messages from people who haven't put a swimsuit on for 20 years, who'd say, I've finally put my cosy on, you've inspired me, or someone saying, I went in the sea for the first time. And I think, oh, actually, there is a real, as much as like outdoor swimming's having a moment, and lots of people are swimming channels and lengths of rivers, yeah. for every person that's, you know, swam the dark 10K, there's someone who's still itching to just put their toes in who don't feel confident turning up to an open water swimming group or lake where there's people putting on wetsuits and swimming distances, that, that's quite intimidating. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Um, they don't want to give it a go themselves because, you know, they might come here and think, well, it looks all right, but I don't know what's under there or... A lot of weeds. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of weeds. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot more a than lot. normal. Or, you know, there's boats, are they going to hit me? You know, lots of people. And I'm glad that people are anxious because I'm glad people aren't just leaping in. And we do hear about mm. people who get into trouble who do. Um, so I did start thinking, like, what could it look like? And I, I don't want to be a swim coach where I'm teaching people to swim better or further because there's plenty of people doing that really well already. Yeah. Um, so I just started thinking, well, like, maybe I could take people on swimming journeys and experiences where it isn't about distance and it isn't about time but it's safe and I can just sort of educate them and okay they might then come back with a friend and not pay me that's cool yeah you know I don't expect them to be repeat clients forever um but if I could just give them the guts to do it um you know once with me and then feel the confidence to be able to try it again um and then also about having fun like taking people you know on a journey like some of my favorite swims are like getting in at one point and getting out further downstream yeah um and lots of people sort of said to me i'd really like to do that with you um so yeah i've invested i've done a an rlss open water lifeguard training course um invested in my insurance it's been it's been a really it's been the hardest thing i've done like setting up a business like properly a limited business from scratch something that comes with a bit of risk of course taking people swimming in an outdoor environment um it's been quite frightening. <laughs> so when's your first one? So the first one that people will be able to book um, will be the forming swim in July. Um, but then from then on, there's all sorts of things I've got planned, like something on Friendship Day where you buy a ticket and you can bring a friend for free and you get a friendship bracelet. <laughs> it's all about the perks. Yeah, I'm trying to make it fun and frivolous and and just joyful yeah well that's what it's about yeah isn't it like that to me is like you know like coming to the river with your mates and having a bit of a dip like yeah. you know looking at the rope swings on the other side of the river like and you know it's about having a, having a bit of exactly. fun exactly you, know? you know come for a swim I'll, I'll help you into the water we're not going to go miles you know if you feel confident we might do a kilometre you know if you want to do heads up breaststroke fine you know we'll gauge the group each time you'll get a cup of tea or a hot chocolate and a brownie with your ticket and uh, <laughs> And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, lots of people want to work with me as well, which is really exciting. So maybe doing some stuff with Lido's and helping people with their body confidence in the water. So getting them back to a swimming pool and getting them into a costume. See, that's amazing. Like that to me is like the thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's just getting people down to the water and just saying like, it doesn't matter what you look like yeah. or who you are, you know. I just know you've be... done a lot of work in that regard yeah, anyway. Yeah, but... I really have because the shocking thing is when people say to me oh I love what you do but I couldn't do it and I'm like why can't you thinking they'd be like oh I'm afraid of weed or I can't swim yeah that's a brilliant reason I can't swim oh I just can't put my swimsuit on I think well that's just ludicrous we need to sort that out you know because the river doesn't care what you look like in the swimsuit that's such a good point like 
it really doesn't and and you know there's a couple of people on the riverbank here having a picnic if you came down in your crossy they don't care they'll be more impressed that you're getting in the river that's the, that is true <laughs> that honestly it's so true whenever like you get in or out it's just like the, the big thing is like wow you're actually doing this yeah, like bow yeah. bow you know and you forget that but you know that's the and also so many like actual you know people who swim a lot and regularly outdoors whether it's in their local lido or the sea or the river yeah they know that swimmers come in all shapes and sizes and actually jenny mentioned it when you you spoke to her in um the first podcast you cannot judge some a swimmer by their age shape form you know because you know the person you think isn't going to win the race will you know no it's just it's just that's the beauty of swimming all bodies and shapes and stuff work in the water and well you um, just there's you know you sort of lose yourself in it yeah you? it's more about the people who who find it difficult the ones that just can't let go and trust trust the water it's always got you yeah you know i know you have to have a lot of respect for it especially with like a river or the 100%. sea but it's always got you and yeah. i think that's what i always really i mean I've sort of come back to this thing more recently of like perhaps it's not so much swimming as it's, it's the water that I'm yeah. attached to. Yeah, no, that's true actually. Because sometimes just being by a fountain or yeah, or, or a water feature in someone's garden can just be just, just the as sound calming. Of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Unless you need to pee, but you know, <laughs> by the way. Well, um, Ella, thank you so much. This has been so brilliant and enlightening, and thank you for taking me to such a gorgeous spot. You're welcome, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed my chat with Ella. I found her so utterly inspiring and um, although it was the first time we'd actually met, we'd obviously spoken a lot quite online and uh, she just took me on the most wonderful swim um, upriver. It was so, so beautiful and uh, such a gorgeous spot. Um, Ella speaks so eloquently about why swimming and water are so powerful for mental health and body positivity. Um, and I just took away so much from our chat and I really hope you did too. Join me again soon for more floating swimming stories. But in the meantime, happy swimming. <laughs>